0: Good to see everyone. Uh, well, wow, all sisters, <laughs> making me nervous. Well, let's pray for more men to believe in Jesus, yeah. Uh, especially in the city of Busan. Yeah, they're all right now, just sleeping it off. Yes, I'm just, I'm just playing. Uh, Good to see everyone. I'm on. We're back from our sabbatical. We had a three-month break. Um, it was really, really uh, a good time. Uh, I want to start off by saying, thanking some people. I want to thank the board, uh, Cl- uh, Claire and Molly and Ine. Uh, they did a fantastic job holding down the fort. Um, we like. There was a time where, like at one point, um, like I, I had made this like spreadsheet, and I was like, oh, these are what's gonna happen, and these are what's gonna who's gonna preach, and then. Like It all changed, and then, but I was in the middle of my sabbatical, and I was like, uh, I don't care. I was really able to like really just di- di- disconnect and uh, um, get into a place of just uh, really just uh, reflecting, and, and, and it, it was, you know, because we had the board here. We know that you guys are keeping down the force. Thank you so much, board. You guys did a fantastic job. We're very proud of you. We want to also thank Tiffany. Yeah. Tiffany in the back for leading praise uh, for many, many Sundays. Uh, Usually it's me and Elizabeth and Tiffany, but Elizabeth uh, went back to America and I was gone. And so Tiffany um, was basically just uh, leading praise almost every week. And so thank you so much. We want to thank you and uh, we will, yeah, we'll bless you. I'll make you some food or something will happen in the near future. Um, Huh? Find you a man? All right. He's coming. He's coming. Your, Your Boaz is coming. I always, I always, because you know, in the story in the book of Ruth, Boaz is like an old man. So your Boaz is coming, but he's gonna be a young Boaz. Not gonna be the old Boaz from the Bible. Um, every, uh, you know, and, and we want to thank everyone else that helped to serve and and keep this church running. You know a lot of people left, and they didn't leave because they were offended. They didn't leave because you know, um, you know, like you know, the church was all going through. They just left because their time in Korea came to an end. Um, and I truly believe that uh, when people are, you know, feel like this time to leave, they, they should go, right? And so it was sad. We were in uh, Sydney, and we're like, oh, eight people are leaving this Sunday, and then like I was just like, oh, that's, that's so sad because we were close to all of them, and um, you know, it, it was, it, it, like we didn't get to really, we said our goodbyes before we left for Sydney, but um, when we were there, we, we, it just kind of hit us, like, oh, they're not, we're not gonna see them. And this morning I told Ethan, I was like, he's like, oh, will there be, you know? Whether there be everybody that we know at church when we go, and then we're like, oh, but um, you know, remember like uh, Hendrik and Dorette? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, well, they're not. They went to South, back to South Africa, and he's like, oh. And then remember like uh, Tane and Rian Samchin? He's like, yeah. And he's like, oh, they also went back to South Africa. And they're like, oh. So it was, it was very uh, it was very sad, uh, you know, experience. But you know, we bless them as they go, and we honor them for the years of service and just running with us here in Yphile, Busan and, and uh, we let's, you know, continue to pray for them. Let's pray for Tabile. She, uh, my M- M- texted me, and she, she said she threw up like for almost 24 hours. She was just constantly throwing up. I think it might have to maybe food poisoning. She was also doing the keto diet, so it, something might have uh, just upset her stomach. But let's keep her in prayer. Uh, I know that how, how horrible that could be, just like feeling really sick like that. Um, it was a good time of rest, a lot of travel. I think Mina and the kids went to 10 cities during the last three months. I only went to one, two, three, four. So they have six on me. Um, they they went to like they went they went all throughout America into LA, San Francisco, Tampa, Kansas City. They did the one thing. So um, they had a lot more fun than me. But me, I got counseling. So uh, January, I came back, had three weeks of just alone time without the kids and Mina. It was really good. They're in America living it up. I was here eating McDonald's and fried chicken. But I had actually lost weight within that three weeks. So, like, Mina came. I get, she's like, oh, you look so skinny. And I was like, it's because, you, like, I didn't eat past eight because e- Mina eats almost every night. She eats a second dinner at, like, 1030. She'll be like, I'm hungry. She'll, she'll want me to make her something, and then I'll make it. And then I can't not smell that and not eat it, right? So I would always eat with her. And so for three weeks, it was like I wouldn't, like, it would be like 8 o'clock. I'm done eating. You know, and I would just hang out. And I went to sleep early. I went to sleep like 11:30 every night. And so it was just three weeks of just me and being in this like you know regular clock with like you know my diet being regulated. I actually lost weight. And then when she came back, I, I all came back. I looked the same. So um, I don't know, but uh, it was good. I started counseling. Counseling was really good for us. Um, it was really for me. Uh, I think I'm, Mina. Well, I think she's gonna start soon. But for me, I never had a I never had a time to like talk to somebody and process. Without them judging me, right? And I was telling the board, "Is like I pay, I pay this woman to not judge me, right? (laughs) But she can't judge me. Like I tell her, it's like I'm giving you money, so you can't judge me, right? So it really was a, it's a good time. I'm gonna continue. I feel like for a few more months, um. But it's been good. It's been a good sabbatical. I feel very refreshed. I feel very a lot lighter. Um. And some people have been thinking, and they've been asking about our visit to Sydney. Uh, Some people from Seoul, like, are you guys moving to Sydney? You guys are gonna step down from Busan and all this stuff, and then one of our, our friends is like, "Don't go to Sydney, come to Seoul, and, and be a pastor up in Seoul." And then we're like, "Dude, that's not even why we're going to Sydney, right? <laughs> uh, Our trip to Sydney was basically to uh, just to pray and and get a get a kind of a understanding of the lay of the land, and and God placed Sydney on Mina's heart a while back, um, and so it was an opportunity for us to go. And you know, she really loves the city. She's been there like seven times, I, I think. I think this was her seventh trip there. Um, And so, you know, we didn't want to take a trip in, like, April, right after the sabbatical, do another trip, you know, and leave you guys. And so we just, let's all cram it into the sabbatical. So we went, um, and I also wanted to check out a school just, you know, just to further my education going down and going into the future. It doesn't mean that I'm going to go there. Um, We just wanted to check it out and see what, like, what what, what things were. And so we went, and and it was a good time. Um, but in no way have we stepped down from Busan. No way do we not feel called to the city, and in no way are we going to leave. Right? Uh, our God, only the only way that we're going to leave is if God tells us to go. And at this point, God has not said anything for us, um, especially at least to me about um, leaving or doing anything else. At least for the time being, God has us here, and I believe that you know the only person that's going to move us is the Lord. And so. Um, you know, if you guys were thinking like, "Oh, is there gonna be a pastor?" Blah, blah, blah. Just know that we're here. You know, and, and we, and we, me and and I, we see this as a new church plant. Because in 2012, we came here and we planted the church with 10 of us, and we ran really hard, and we just like, you know, we we it was just a crazy season, but it was a very exciting season. We go out and evangelize, and we do all these things. Um, and so, you know, our numbers have kind of gone down, and and we're in this new season. We see this as a new church plant. We see this as an opportunity for us to really, like, embrace, you know, what God has called us to do and go after and run this race um, with you guys. And so, you know, thank you guys for holding down the fort. Um, we've really been blessed by, for you guys. It's the church that gave us the o- opportunity to go on this sabbatical. And so, um, yeah, it really was a blessing for us. And uh, um you know and but however i did find a school that seems very promising to do online classes cuz i went to the first school called smbc and they're like oh we have no online classes and it felt like a school that was stuck in the 60s right really did it like looked like the campus looked like the 60s only thing was the cars were new and then the guy that walked with me and showed me he was like he was like this is how we did it he was like hey how you doing okay so this is our dormitories <laughs> and like, he looked like Santa Claus, right? He had his white beard, and he was this guy, and it just like, and, and he showed me the school, and it kind of I vibed with it a little bit, but I really didn't. I was like, oh, this just feels like it's like stuck in the past. But then we met this pastor. His name is Pastor Joshua, um, and when we were, I only had like 30 minutes with him because he was so busy. And he's like, hey, uh, you should check out the school, Moreland College. So we went, and I asked her, she's like, hey. How much are your tuitions for international students, and blah blah blah. And then she said that we can do it. I can do all of my education from here in Korea um, with really no price difference, right? And so, um, I mean, there is a interna- there's an international price difference because you pay a lot more being an international student. But um, so I, I feel like by at least by July of this year, I'm gonna you know start theological classes somewhere. In Sydney or in the Gold Coast uh, through online classes. I just want to get started, and then um, you know, whenever wherever I finish or however God moves us, um, we'll see how that goes. That's good news, and and, you know, I'm really excited for that. Um, Now, there's one thing that God placed on my heart as I was doing all this traveling, and we were going to all these different places and praying, and, and we were seeking after Him. He gave me a passage, and it comes from the passage that Crystal read today from Exodus. Um, and it's actually the last passage of the book of Exodus. And so if you have your Bibles, let's, I wanna, I'm us to read it together. Um, it says, The glory of the Lord is Exodus, uh, the last chapter of Exodus 40, verses 34 to 38. It says, Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled Filled the tabernacle throughout all their journeys. Whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out to the day that it was taken up again. For the cloud of the Lord was on the ta- tabernacle by day, and fire was in it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. And as I read this passage and I was meditating on it, it dawned on me that this is a lifestyle that I want for my family. I'm not talking about just my, my immediate family. I'm talking about the, our family as in the body of Christ for you guys, for our church, and for the people that, um, you know, that we minister to. We want to see and we want to be people that, that live by this understanding, that follow the cloud, the presence of God. Now, The people of Israel had only one job as they left Israel, as God freed them from 400 years of slavery, you know, they only, God only gave them one job. When they were slaves in Israel, they had a lot of jobs, right? You know, you got morning to night, job, 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 right? You know, you got to make bricks. Some were servants. Some probably were farmers. You know, some of them, I don't know, they had like had to push buggy. I don't know why. Some were knit. You know, I don't know what they did exactly, but you know, they all had a job. Their job was to be a slave, and their job was to, you know, to do the work that the, the Egyptians didn't want to do. But as they were free, they were given only one job by God. And that job was to follow Him. They didn't need to farm. Why? Because what came, you know, like, what did they got? They, manna came from the sky, right? They didn't have to farm, right? They didn't have to go and hunt. They didn't have to, like, you know, you know make wheat grow. They, they had manna. And they didn't have to, to make clothes. Because why? What happened? Their clothes that they set out with... For, out of Egypt, the clothes that they had on their backs and their feet, they never wore out, right? So they didn't have to make clothes. They didn't have to make shoes. I know it's style-wise, it kind of sucks, right? But seriously, like like they, they, didn't, they didn't have any jobs. All they had to do was to follow him. The cloud was taken up, and the people would move. And if the cloud was taken—was not taken up, then they would stay. They would remain. It would be up-go, no up, no go, right? That was a very easy job. They just had to follow God. They didn't have to worry about... You know what was for dinner? They didn't have to worry about what to wear. They didn't have to worry about where to go. You know what's you know, what phone to get? What you know, like what kind of pants to wear? You know, they didn't have to worry. They just had one job. They just had to follow the cloud, because the cloud was what? Was it a symbol? Was the cloud a symbol? Was it like the star of, of David as it went in the sky? The the, the three wise men followed followed the star. It was a symbol? No. The, the cloud was literally the presence of God. was the presence and the glory of God. And they were following the presence of God. And if the presence of God went this way, they went that way. If the presence of God went that way, they went this way. If the presence of God stayed, they would remain and they would stay. And if the presence of God, you know, like, like that's all they had to do. For all the years that they, they, they traveled on this journey with the Lord, they just had to follow the presence of God. And as I meditated on this passage, I realized one thing, and I realized that, that something very profound for my life and for, for my family, that God's will for us is in his presence. It's not a location, right? It's not a job we have to choose. It's not a path that we have to take. It's not who you get married. It's not how many kids you have or what school you go to you know what school you s- to send your kids God's will the will of God for your life is his presence the will of God is relationship God is giving the Israelites a very important lesson of priority right his will is not what you, what what you do you know his will is not where you go it's not you know like how you, it's it's all about how you get to where you are going his will for you is to remain in His presence. God's perfect will for you isn't in what you can do for Him; it's in being, it's in you being with Him. In the in the intimate relationship that you have in His presence, so that when it's time for you to do something, you know because you hear Him, you understand because you are remaining in His presence. And I guarantee when you go like that, when you do like that, when you, when the will for your, for your life isn't something that you have to do, but it's His presence, things will go well with you. The Bible says that things will go well with you if you follow Him in His presence. It's not about what you do, it's not about what, it's to be found in Him in His presence. You might be doing all these great things, you know, like all these great things for God. You might think, oh, I'm doing these great things for the Lord. I've, you know, like I've saved up this much money and I've given it to like to all these poor people in you know in Africa or in South America or you know, I you know like I am I'm 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 serving the orphans. I'm doing all these things, but if th- whatever you're doing is not coming from a place where you're remaining in His presence and His in intimacy with Him, it can actually be delaying God's perfect will for your life. Because His perfect will is for you to be in Him, in His presence in what you can do for him. He doesn't need anything from you. You know, Ezra, he's starting to talk a lot. Ezra is our youngest son, and he's starting to talk a lot, and he's learning to communicate. And now he's not he doesn't just cry and wail like he used to do. He's like, he's like he communicates. And then there's even times where he'd be like, Apa. And then he'll be like, have something in his hand. He goes, Apa, apa, Igo, Igoba, igoba. Igo, 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 And then he'll place it in my hand. And I look at it and I'm like, I, I, it's nothing. <laughs> it's like I don't even know what it is. It's just like a little piece of his skin or something. It's it's nothing, right? uh, But I I take it and I go, oh, on. And I say, thank you. But it's literally nothing, right? And that's like like what we can do for God. Because he is the Alpha, he is the Omega, he's the beginning and the end. According to him, everything's already been done. And that doesn't mean that we don't try to live for God. It doesn't mean that we have to, you know, like, you know, we don't do things for God. But it means that we have to have the right priority that he lays out for his people. Follow my presence first. Following him requires us to be in his presence. And that's the lesson that I learned on this sabbatical. I feel like for the past seven years we've been doing ministry, like we've experienced, like, God's presence in such an amazing way. And, and we, we did amazing things for God. And it was, like, exciting. And, and God was just, like, here. And we, could, we felt his presence. He was real. Even when I was, would do, like, read the Bible or I would pray, I would, like, be in his presence. I, I feel like somewhere along the way, like, his presence became something that I had to do. His, his presence it became something that it was became kind of like my job. And I had to do this work in order for me to actually get into his presence. It was, do these things so that I can remain and I can be in his presence. But he tells us, first follow my presence. Now, I've gotten caught up in doing, 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 or going, 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 but I've failed in remaining, remaining, remaining in his presence, abiding in his presence. Jesus tells us in the book of John, it says, I am the vine, you are the branches, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, what does it say? you can do nothing right nothing that's like that piece of whatever that Ezra hands me it's like like whatever we do for God outside of abiding him in him is just it's nothing we hand God like just like piece of lint that disintegrates unless we seek after his presence that's my first point today his will for you isn't what you're going to do for him his will for you is not you know, all of the amazing things that you're going to do and all the amazing things that you're going to go, but it's to follow His presence and to seek Him first. It says, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all of these things will be added unto you. Now, the Israelites could have walked the journey to the promised land in about two weeks. People say that if you, you take, like, you know, you take Egypt and then you, you, you see where the problem is and, like, you, you actually ch- try to do this journey. They said that they could have probably walked it in about two weeks. But how long did it take? It took 400 years. Or 40 years. The <laughs> no, 400 years. They were in the Savior for 400 years. 40 years, right? So it's not about location, Right? It's not about location. It's not like God got lost along the way, and he's like, oh, wait, I think it's here. No, 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 I think it's there. No, I think no, like we are in Sydney, and we, uh, you know in Sydney you drive on this side of the road, so then the car seat is on this side, right? And it's like, it's very, very confusing. Like in Korea, the blinkers are on this side, but over there, the blinkers are here. So every time that I had to, and then the windshield wipers are here, so every time I had to change lanes or turn, it would be like, jeek, <laughs> And it would just it would be, it would be so infuriating. And we were going to our friend's house, and we were on the freeway. And then, like, it would be like, we, me and Mina would talk. we talk. So I'm on this side. Wait, I'm on this side. So we, we would talk. I'd be like, ah. and All of a sudden, we would mix the exit. And we're like, oh, we're supposed to get off here. And so we're waiting. And then the little thing would recalculate. And it was like, oh, we're, we were only 15 minutes away. Now we're like 21 minutes away. And we're like going. And then we're like, okay, let's focus and concentrate. And all of a sudden, I'll be like, and then I changed the lane. They go, we missed the exit again. Oh, no. And then, and now we're like 25 minutes away. We're like, oh, that that's not, God, that didn't happen to God. God wasn't like on the journey saying, oh, you know what? I got caught up. We're supposed to go this way. No. God knew what he was doing. So it's not about location. It's not about like what we can do for him. It was all about the presence of God. They needed to learn to follow his presence. They needed to experience his presence and his glory so that when it was time for them to take the promised land, all of the mindset of slavery and all of the mindset of fear was removed from the people and they knew the glory of God and the power of God. And it came from being and remaining in his presence, constantly following after his presence. If his presence went up, they would walk. If his presence remained, they would stay. And they did this for years and they learned to continually follow his presence. It's like Moses, when God told him, he says, depart. It's from Exodus 33, depart, go up from there, go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought up out of the land of Egypt, to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying to your offspring, I will give it. I will send an angel before you. And I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the, per- the Perizzites, the Hevites, and the Je- Jebu- Jebusites. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey. But I will not go up among you, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. And this is Moses' re- reply in verse 12. It says, Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name. And you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And he said to him, this is what Moses says to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For now, how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight? I and your people, is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct? I and your people from every other people on the face of the earth. And the Lord said to Moses, this very thing that you have spoken, I will do, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. And then Moses says this, please show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock and while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock and i will cover you with my hand until i have passed by then you will take away then i will take away my hand and you shall see my back but my face shall not be seen now as i read this you got to understand oh there's a guy in here what up josh hallelujah this is a very intimate moment between god and moses you guys have to understand this happens to nobody else in the bible I, this is an extreme intimate mo- moment that we have between God and Moses. And, and it was this moment of intimacy that Moses was able to see at the, and be at the center of God's perfect will for his life. It was in him seeking God's presence more than what God could do for him and what he can do for God. Because he's like, God said, you know what? I'm going to send this angel before you. And the angel is going to basically do everything for you. You're not going to have to even lift a finger. He's going to wipe out all of the Ike people. right? And, and, and you guys are just going to take the promised land. And you guys are going to enter the land of milk and honey. But I'm not going to go with you. And Moses is like, no. If you don't go with me, don't send us. If, you, if you're not going to come with me, then, then, then we don't want to go. Because he was seeking after the presence of God. More than whatever God... Do for us and whatever he could do for God. This is a very intimate moment. What Moses was was supposed to do didn't matter, because you know he said that he would do everything for him. And you know, and what Moses could do for for day for for what God could do for Moses, right? It really like like where they were supposed to go really didn't matter, right? So what he was supposed to do didn't matter and where they were supposed to go didn't matter. It didn't cuz God already decided where they're supposed to go. Moses didn't have to like walk through the the Middle East, you know, trying to survey and what is the best place for the people of God to settle in. He, he didn't have to like travel throughout all the Middle East and like, you know what? I think this place is good. No, 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 I think that place no. God chose the promised land for him. So then So what he had to do didn't matter. Where they were supposed to go didn't matter. What what was the only thing that mattered? How they went. They had to go following the glory of God, the presence of God. They went with the Lord, following in his presence. And brothers and sisters, this is so important for our lives. Because you might be called into ministry. Some of you guys are called to be full-time ministers. You might be called to be a lawyer. You might be called to be a CEO. You might be called to be the president of the United States or whatever country you're from or prime minister. You might be called to do all these things. But for us believers, all that should matter is the presence of God first. Being intimate with God in relationship because only then will we be people of God's glory. You know, Isaiah 60, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. I want to be that kind of a person. I want to be the kind of person where they don't see me, because, you know, this is not, you know, it ain't all that, right? Really, this ain't all right, right? My, even my wife, okay, this not all that, right? But what they will see is the glory of the Lord. And I've met people like that. I've met to the eye. They're like, oh man, they ain't all that. But when you get to know them, you're like, you know what? The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. And it comes from a place and a life that's lived not about what I can do for God, but being in the presence of God, remaining in His presence, experiencing what it is to be in this intimate relationship with God. And from that place, they hear from the Lord, and then they go to where they're supposed to go. And the people that receive them are like, the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. I want to be like that. I've been so caught up in what I can do and what I'm supposed to do. God, what am I supposed to do? Where am I supposed to go? How am I supposed to make money, God? No, God said, I'm going to take care of all of that. But then what's really, where you need to start from is his presence. Only then can we find ourselves at the center of his perfect will. His will is not about what we can do or where we should go. It's about him. His will for us is Him. And as I was on this sabbatical and I was traveling to all these places and seeing all these things, I came to realize that, you know what, I felt like I was doing ministry in a way where I was constantly doing, doing, doing. How can I do this? How can I do that? But I, I took very little time remaining, remaining, remaining. And on this sabbatical, I was kind of forced to remain. I didn't have to do anything, right? And as I remain, I realize that this is where I'm going to hear God's calling for my life. This is where I'm going to hear God's will for my life. It comes from following his presence in relationship with him. Now, my first point, your, the will, God's will for your life is his presence. as you being in intimate relationship with him, like hungering and seeking after him in his presence. That's his will. It starts from there. And my second point might actually offend some people, but you guys have to hear me out, right? All right this is my second point. Being in God's presence does not require our holiness. Now some of you guys are hearing that going like, oh, blasphemer, like her- heresy. Well, you guys have to just wait. Hear me out. Being in God's presence does not require our holiness because our holiness can only be found in. In intimacy and relationship with Him in His presence, the Bible tells us, "Be holy, for I am, for I, your God, is holy." But it also tells us that no one is holy but God. Right? In Revelation fifteen, it says, "No one is holy but God." It says it many times in the Old Testament, but it also says, "Be holy, for I, your Lord, for I, your God, is holy." So, how are we, who are fallen and sinful, are we able to make ourselves holy before we approach God? It's a catch-22, right? It says, Be holy because I am holy, but no one else is holy except God. God, what am I supposed to do? Like, hi, where do I, where do I fit into all of this? Well, Leviticus 11, it says, For I am Yahweh, your God, so you must consecrate yourselves and be holy because I am holy. You must not defy yourselves by swarming creatures that crawl on the ground, for I am Yahweh, who brought you up from the land of Egypt to be your God, so you must be holy because I am holy. We are to be holy because God is holy. He alone is holy. So our holiness, us being holy, can only become in relationship with Him because He alone is holy. It says, consecrate yourself and be holy because I am holy. Notice there's a difference between consecrating yourself and actually being holy. Consecrating ourselves doesn't make us holy. We are holy because He is holy. And we are in him. As we consecrate ourselves, we are actually able to enter into his presence. But it's in his presence that we find God's holiness. And it's in his presence that we are able to be holy. But so many times we get it twisted. You know, we think reading the Bible makes us holy. We think that going to church every Sunday makes us holy. We think that, like you know, like tithing and giving to the church, which are good things. And you guys all should do it, Right? The way you think that makes you holy. But no, none of that makes us holy. There's nothing that we can do to make us holy. The Bible says that God alone is holy. And we are holy because He is holy. Our holiness can only come from relationship with God. It's found in His presence. And God doesn't expect us to be perfect before we approach Him. Because He knows we will never be perfect. Right? God knows that we'll never be perfect. He knows that I'm not perfect. Hey, you guys, you guys have everybody here should know I am not perfect, right? I may no, I don't even look like it, right? But 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 God but we have to understand God knows that we're not perfect. And many times we feel like we can only enter his presence when we are holy people, where there's no such thing as holy people. But God makes us holy because he is holy when we consecrate ourselves and we enter into his presence. And consecration and, and holiness are different things. We we have to we have to understand that, right? We have to understand that there's consecrating ourselves and there's holiness. And just because we consecrate ourselves, does that mean that we're holy? We have to enter into his presence and be found in his presence. And as we are in his presence, that's when God says, "You are holy because I am holy." you guys get that? And then my third point is in line with my second point, and it's this. When we fail, cling to God and his presence, because nothing can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. In other words, we don't need to get all cleaned up before we approach God, because there's nothing that we can do to clean ourselves. Consecration brings us into his presence, but defilement doesn't mean it ex- excludes us from His presence. And We think that it does. Right? We think that well, when we consecrate ourselves, we're actually able to get into His presence. That's true. But we also think when we defile ourselves, oh, I can't enter His presence. If we are in Christ Jesus, nothing separates us from the love of God. That's the Word of God. The, 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 that's the Gospel. Nothing separates us from the love of God, no, no death, no life, no, no angels, no demons, no principalities, no anything in the future or in the future or anything from the past can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our oh Lord. Right? Many of us, when we sin or we mess up, we feel so far from God, and we feel like we have to have go through like, like three weeks of just like being good people and not sinning before we can actually come to church and and raise our hand and worship, you know. Like, oh, I feel like I've been a good person for about three weeks. I think I've I've earned myself to raise my hand, right? But if we don't have that three weeks of, like, walking right, and just, like, if we feel, like, far from God. Oh, God, you're so, I feel so far from you. But we have to understand that, like, all of that righteous living we're doing has nothing to do with cleaning ourselves. Because there's nothing that we can do to clean ourselves, right? I, 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 I mentioned this in my sermon in Sydney, but like Ezra I believe my my uh, understanding of raising a child like and being a good parent is when your child is able to wipe their own bum right so and we have not succeeded yet right they both can't they they both can't wipe their their butts right but you know Ezra especially the young one definitely can't wipe his butt right but then he is potty trained so he can go poo alone so will be he be like I have to go poo and I'm like okay I put him on the toilet, and then I'll be like, I'll be. If you're done, call me. And I go to I go to my office, or I go to the kitchen, and then he's quiet for like a good 10 minutes. He's like, I'm like, what the heck is this guy doing? So I go, I walk to the bathroom, open up, and first thing what he's done is he's taken the toilet paper and just pulled it, so it is all on the ground. The only thing that remains is a little cardboard thing, and there's a pile of toilet paper on the ground. And he grabbed some of that toilet paper, and then he started to wipe his butt. But what he would actually done is he just smeared it all around. And like, there's, like toilet, there's like poo on his butt, there's poo on his cheeks, there's poo on his elbow, there's some on his shirt. It's just gotten all around there. And he looked at me like, ha, <laughs> ha, But you know, that's what it looks like when we try to clean ourselves before God. When we approach God and say, God, I've cleaned myself. We're just, we're just smearing it all around, like getting it all in there. Like, God, I've cleansed myself. I've cleansed myself and I've, I've, uh, I've become right before you. No! The Bible tells us nothing can make us right before God except for the blood of Jesus Christ and what Christ has done on the cross for us. And so many times when we sin, we feel, we're like Ezra. We're like, oh, I got I to gotta clean myself. I got to get right before God. I'm going to start to clean myself. And it's all on our, on our pants, our legs, on our chairs. But all along is the only thing that can cleanse ourselves is the blood of Jesus Christ. It's all by grace. There's nothing that we can do, can erase even the tiniest, the you know like the tiniest little white lies that we tell. Right? Last yesterday we were at, we were at uh, where were we? we we're at Samyang and then like Mina went to get like a couple of like we do these things right. So she went to go get like a, a soda. And then she went to get a soda, and she came back, and she got me a Pepsi. And she knows that I don't really like Pepsi. I like Trevi, right? I was like, oh, why didn't you get me a Trevi? And she's like, oh, I'm sorry. She's like, oh, it's not there. They don't have it. It's like a really tiny convenience store. They, they have a very small selection. And I said, Holy Spirit, bring conviction. And she said, oh, I lied. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I just didn't even bother to look. <laughs> and we do that to each other. We tell like, Holy Spirit, bring conviction. And then she comes right away, right? But even the tiniest, littlest lie that she can there's nothing that she can do to even cleanse one of those tiniest little lies that she'll tell me, right? Because it's all by the blood of Jesus Christ, right? So then what then separates us from God when we sin? What separates us from the presence of God when, when we mess up? What is it that separates us from God's presence? What is it? Nothing. Nothing separates us. Even when we sin, nothing can separate us from His love. It's all by grace. It's all by the blood of the Lamb. And I'm preaching to Christians here because the passage says, for those are in Christ Jesus. It doesn't mean that everybody is going to get cleansed. No. If you don't put your faith in Christ Jesus, then you're going to hell. But then if you do, and, and, and then you mess up or you fall into sin, we, we don't have to be like, oh, woe is me. You gotta like, I have to whip myself like lashes. No, God's waiting with open arms because what did He do? Yeah, God can't be in our. He's perfectly holy, so He can't be with us, right? If we have sin, that's very true. But what did He do? He sent His Son to die on the cross for us, so that, so that even if we like, when there's sin in us, God tells us, dude, I already, my Son already paid the price for that. I want you to be in relationship with me. I created you for relationship. I didn't create you so that you can do work for me. As a matter of fact, God expects us to fail. You know, all the people in the Bible Abraham, Moses, Moses messed up many times, right? Isaac, Jacob, David, everybody. In the Bible, except for Jesus, At, you know, I feel like all of the, the the main characters that come out in the Bible that do all these great things for God, all of them mess up greatly. Peter, right? Jesus' best friend, did everything, walked on water, right? Jesus tells him, calls him Satan, and then he denies him three times, right? Everybody that was had any kind of significance in the Bible, had failed. But it doesn't mean that that failure separates us from It, it Actually, means that it's it's there to draw us even closer. So when we fall, when we slip, when we mess up, if we are in Christ Jesus, nothing separates separates us from his love and his presence. We can go to God freely. As a matter of fact, that's what repentance is. You guys have to pay attention here. True repentance isn't about, I'm sorry, God, but it's about, I need you, God. We can go to God freely because we need him. Now Ezra, when he messes up, he's like these days. He's as he gets older, he becomes more wicked, right? And if you have children, you'll know that children are wicked, right? You see the wickedness of the fallenness of man in their eyes, right? There'll be days where you know Ethan will make this like nice. He, he's Ethan is very creative, so he'll like take all of these animals and line them all up, and then from small to big, and they're all facing the right direction, and they're all in this pose. And he get it all the right together, and then Ethan would just like go to the bathroom or something. And Ezra, he looks at it like this, <laughs> and he just goes up there. He messes it all up, and he runs out like, <laughs> right? There's a wickedness of man, right? And when and then Ethan just cries. Just like, it's like ah, and he's like he's like but he's Like ah, uh, he cries. Like th- it's like the world has come to an end. And then so I have to punish Ezra, right? And then I'm Korean, and I believe in spankings, right? Like some of, some of your parents didn't spank you. God bless you. I believe, I, and you guys turned out great. But then, like, I got beat. So I'm, I'm doing better than my parents, right? And My dad would beat me with anything, right? he would be like a shoe, you know, like he, he would, he, he, with anything. He would hit me with a fly swatter one time, right? That's so demeaning. It's like there's like dead flies on this thing. He slaps me on the face, right? So I'm doing a lot better, right? I, I, it's organized. I don't look angry. I have a smile on my face. I take him into the room. I pull down his pants, and I said, "Okay, are you gonna get a spanking?" And I spank him, right? And when I spank him, I make sure that there's leaves a little red mark because he he needs the pain, right? If he don't feel that pain, he laughs at me, but <laughs> but then when I spank him, he cries. He goes ah, he cries. But you know what he does immediately? Because this is why the Bible tells us that we need to have a childlike heart, right? The Bible said that we have to be children to God, right? When I spank him the first thing that he does he goes ah, bah, ah bah, and he like, he like wants me to hold him and immediately I pick him up and he like he'll wrap his legs around me and he grabs my neck and he buries his head right here and he goes really quick and he goes he's wailing he's crying he's like, ah. and at that moment I love him so much more right But you know what that's the heart of God towards us that when we mess up right we can't say I'm sorry God right because that's what teenagers do right? God didn't tell us to be teenagers, right? The teenager would be like, I'm sorry, I messed up the car. No, what God wants from us is like, I need you. And when Ezra, he cries, when I spank him, when God disciplines us, and when Ezra just cries up and he goes, ah, he's saying, I need you. And when I hold him, he's comforted, but the heart of God is manifested in that moment, right? And I believe that that God, when he sees our failures, that's what he wants from us. He doesn't want us to be like, oh, I'm sorry, God. I'll do this many things and I'll do... That. Yes, you're supposed to live good lives, but this is... I'm talking about priority here, right? The Priority always has to be relationship. It's the heart of God towards us. It's for us to cling to Him. Repentance is going to God and saying, I need you. And I'm not saying that you can just sin... And get away with it, yeah. you know. And just like ask for forgiveness, because that's like telling God, "I'm sorry." You know, when you constantly sin and say, "Oh, God, forgive me," "Oh, God, forgive," you know what you're telling God? God, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry. But God doesn't need our sorries. God needs repentance and true repentance is God, I need you. Like in this moment, I need you. That's the heart of true repentance. But so many times we see repentance as behavior modification, and that's it. Yes, repentance and sanctifications involves behavior modification, but that's not all it is, and it doesn't start from our behavior. It starts with us running to God's presence and clinging to him and saying, I need you more than anything, I need you. That is repentance. And the Bible tells us that nothing on earth or in heaven can keep us from us turning to God and saying, Like, God, I've sinned and I need you. I'm turning away from this and I'm turning to you. That's repentance. And at that moment you don't have to be all clean. You know, you don't have to have stop smoking. You don't have to have stop you know at that if you truly have a heart that says, God I need you, God's gonna embrace you and God's gonna show you. He's gonna walk with you. Now it doesn't mean that you just do that and, and you turn around, you know this God, God is a God of process. God will walk with you along the way. You're not going to be, you don't have to be perfect along the way, but then if you truly have Christ in you, if you truly have the Holy Spirit in you, as you continue to do this with God and walk with Him along the process, God will sanctify you. God will start to transform you and mold you and, and, and make you into what He wants you to be. It starts with us running to God's presence, clinging to him and saying, I need you. And the Bible tells us that nothing on earth can keep us from turning to God and saying this. You know? It doesn't matter what you've watched or what you smoked or where you've danced. I wrote that. Because I wanted to say it. But the cry of our heart can't be, I'm sorry. But the cry of our hearts, what really needs to come out from our heart, it needs to be, I need you. And it comes from completely different motivations. In Romans 3, in Romans eight thirty-eight to 39 For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor future, nor any power, neither height nor death, or any else in all creation will be able to separate us from love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you're in Christ Jesus, nothing can separate us from Him. I want to close with this. God's relationship with us and his people was never meant to be functional it was always meant to be relational Adam and Eve they were made to run around what what were they called what were they first initially created to do in the in the garden of eden they were supposed to what be naked and rock and run with God that's all they were meant to be there was supposed to be nothing separating from them and God not even clothes right it was, it, what happened it was sin started to bring clothes like oh, I felt shame. And they started to make these things and then God actually had to give them clothes. But before that, their original creation, with original purpose, the original intention that God had for Adam and Eve was to be what? Intimate. In this garden where there's nothing separates them and they're just enjoying the presence of God. That was his initial plan for his people. And his plan all along was for us to be in a relationship with him we were created to do things. We were we weren't created to do things for Him. We were created to remain in His presence. And yes, God gives us callings, right? He gave us all of us what? He gave us the great commission: go and make disciples of all men to the ends of the earth, baptizing and, and in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is a, this is a, this is actually something that God has entrusted all of us to do. But Jesus didn't come and just give them the great commission. He wasn't like, all right, guys, my name is Jesus, right? You don't know me, but I am the Son of God, right? And I'm here to basically tell you guys that you guys are supposed to go to the ends of the earth, you know, and then, like, baptize people in the name of the Father and me and the Holy Spirit and then uh, and then make more people like me. By the way, my name is Jesus, if you didn't know that. If you don't know, I'm the Son of God. He said, it wasn't like that. Wait, what did he do? When he came to earth, he came as a baby, he grew up and he walked with his disciples for three years, for three years he ate with them, he drank with them, he slept near them, he like he like taught them. He, he joked. I believe Jesus had a great personality. He joked around with them, right? He like he like went fishing with them. He did all of these things with them, and he taught them, he equipped them, he empowered them, and he showed them the way. And and he and at the end he literally died on the cross for them, so that they can now. Understand and know his presence, and then now they can go and start to fulfill the commission that God gives them. It was never functional, always relational first. And that is how Jesus approaches you today, and always with his arms open, saying, Come, come on, let's talk. I want you to remain in my presence. Forget about what you can do for me, forget about where you can go, forget about all of these things, right? First, let's come on. Let's have this powwow session. Let's understand each other. I want you to understand me. I want you to know me, because when you know me, you're gonna actually know what you're called to do. You're actually gonna know the will for your life once you start to really know me from a place of relationships. You will all do great things for God, and I'm not trying to undermine your callings, your giftings. But what God wants to do through you is for you to start from being in His presence has to start from from being in that place of relationship with with him. That's what God created you for. He didn't create you as no, he could have created a bunch of robots. They could have he could have created a bunch of robots that could that could do all these things, you know, like he could have created the most amazing artist. That all he can do is just draw amazing portraits and he could have created all of these robots that could that could be the best chef, the best barbecue maker, the best, you know, like clothes, the best clothes that I... He could have created all these robots to do all these great things. But no, he created all of us with what? Free will for us to do whatever we want to do. right? And, and then he said, you know what? I want you to choose me, and I want you to be in relationship with me, and then you will see what I want you to do for me on this earth. And it always started from relationship. Stop seeing God as this functional being that wants you to do something. You know? And that, before the sabbatical, I felt like that's how I was. I was like, oh, I have to do this thing. I have like, I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to do this. And then like, you know, like, I feel like, you know, like if, if I'm not gonna be a pastor, then what am I gonna do? Like, what should I do? Like, Should I open a restaurant? No, I'm a pretty good cook, so like, be, like that's the first thing that came to my head. Cause even before I started ministry. One of the things on my mind was I wanted to start a restaurant. I was like, Oh, I should start a restaurant. And like, but I have no money. Like all of this stuff. They're like, what should I do? How should our family like be on this earth? And then God just quieted it all down and said, you know what? You, all you, all you're called to do is remain in My presence. Abide in Me, and I in you. You know. And and and, and you know those that abide in Me will bear much fruit. But if you don't remain, if you don't abide in me, he says, you can do nothing. So even the things that you can do actually end up being nothing. But I want to encourage you today. You know, I know all of you guys are young, and you guys are ambitious, and there's a lot of things that you guys want to do on this earth before you die. There's a lot of things that you want to experience and accomplish, and those are all good. I'm not trying to... Take away any of that. I'm not trying to take away your calling. I'm not trying to take away your desire to be a lawyer. I don't know. You know it takes a special person to like want to be a lawyer because I think that would be like a horrible job for me, right? But like, like, you know, some of you guys might want to be teachers. Some of you guys might want to be architects. Some of you guys might want to go into business. Some of you guys might want to just be a mom. No matter what it is that you, what God has placed in you, God says, you know what? Start first with me being in relationship with me. Because if you do that. All will go good with you. Let's all pray. Father God, we just thank you for your presence. We thank you for the cloud that you place before us. We thank you that you are not a God in heaven that just, you know, wants quick action and change and things from us. But you are a relational God. You want to come and be with us. And you want us for our will, for your will for our lives to not be functional but actually be you that the will of god for us is you and so lord i pray that you help us understand this and i pray that you help this to really bring things into perspective about our lives i pray that if there's anxiety about our futures you know if there's anxiety about our future upon our hearts that you will break it off in relationship with you in your presence for it is not where we go and it's not what we do but it's how we go, and it's to continue to follow your presence, continue to remain in your presence. We thank you, Lord. We give you all the glory and the honor, and we love you, God. And Lord, help us to be a people that follow the cloud, follow your presence wherever we go, that when you go, we go. When you stop, you we stop. And may you be the plumb line that we follow as we continue to run this race. And continue to to live our lives for you. We give you we thank you, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand up and close with a benediction.